Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. We're back. It's episode 62, season three of the Daily Intermission podcast. It's Greg in studio. It's Justin from New York. He's dealing with finals, exams, the university scene. Justin, man, how you making out, man? How's that workload feeling? Uh, not too bad at all. Uh, just getting into it here on this Monday. So, uh, this, we had a big study session today for investments, got formulas, the definitions just going nuts right now. So I got Tuesday, Wednesday exams, Friday presentation, three projects in between. It's a busy week. Um, the weather's unbelievable, which never helps. Cause you just want to be out there golfing, but funny enough, quick story, uh, golf, uh, l- literally yesterday. So Sunday, um, I got a guy on the team. Uh, uh, Moran, buddy of mine, a uh, great guy. We kind of shoot the same. So we've been here for three years, both of us, kind of the same kind of golfer, like great day. We could break 80, uh, but on average, we're going to be like that 82 to 88 kind of range. Yeah. yeah. And we've been talking about doing our version of the match, the match for three years now, but haven't been able to get it done. Sunday's the day. Sunday's the day. We got the memes going back and forth in the chat. We got banter going on leading up to this thing, and we're ready to go for this match. So, First four holes go, he goes par train to start. And again, I'm not, again, I'm an 80s golfer. I'm not parring this course like nothing more. So I go down four strokes in four holes right away, and it's gloomy quick for me, okay? We take the turn to hole five, kind of get in the groove going, find a par. He makes a bogey, get one back, and all of a sudden it clicks for me. I finish the front nine tied with them at a 42. Respectful for us guys. Hey, oh, yeah. Six over 42. We'll take it, but I stormed back on the last five, tied up going into the back nine. The wind starts. Clouds come overhead. It's like it's Sunday. It's Sunday condition at the U.S. Open, and we and we you couldn't ask for more on the match, right? So yeah, yeah. I go up th- go up three holes early. Uh, first three holes go up three strokes early. Again, rolling off that that the end of that front nine, uh, and I'm up three strokes. Kind of squandered a little bit here and there. Put a ball OB on uh, on 16. Got a drop. Never helps. So I'm up one on 17. He's got a three-footer, three-footer to stay within one. Had a nice chip, put it close. Had to go up and down, was a little off the front left. He misses it from three feet. Don't know how it happens. Missed it, couldn't handle the pressure. That's how it goes when you're in the match, okay? But that's how it is. We go into 18, I'm up two. Nice and easy. Pipe a drive, clear the bunker, uh, the fairway bunker. I'm 215 out. I'm a little bit on the rough, no big deal. He hits a line drive through the trees. He's been getting bounces all day. Then goes through the trees, bounces straight out, beautifully laying there again, 220, something like that. He puts one five feet short of the green. I absolutely tow my hybrid, my uh, my forward, 10 feet in front of me. The worst case scenario. I then go from the Vescue on that side into the water on the right. I'm now hitting five. I'm now hitting five on 18. He's hitting three, and I'm only up two strokes. Put one off the backside of the green. He bladed his off the back. I match him. He missed his final putt. He could have put it to a playoff. Get out of there scot-free. Win by one stroke. Hey, those are just the, hey, there's amateurs here that'll listen to that. 
understand the OBs, understand the blades. Oh my goodness. And that's the thrill. One by one stroke. I couldn't be happier. Golf game is what it is. And just got the job done in the grittiest way. It wouldn't, it wouldn't make a TV quite honestly for any amateurs who could relate to that. But Hey, that was my week. Had to share that story. Uh, I felt good to get that win under my belt. Absolutely. I mean, was there anything on the line? And listen, man, like I always wonder too, like when I'm watching these pros play all these courses, like this week, at least past week at Wells Fargo, which we'll get into, like what would like a scratch golfer, your golf course, fire at these courses? Because these guys are so much better than every single golfer that you've ever seen play. It's so insane what these guys do week in, week out. And for the people who don't like watching golf or they don't understand golf, it is so incredibly difficult. You have no idea how hard that sport is. And these guys make it look 100%. so easy. I'm saying, you know what? The thing we did too, and not many people do this um, every day. I, I obviously it, it's pretty golf as you will kind of for more of the amateur golfers. But we did bowl and hole. There ain't a gimme in sight on, on that round yesterday. We did everything's got to be put in. And that's what happens for amateur golfers like myself. You have a two or three foot putt. It ain't automatic. And most of the time people will give that to you or you'll take the game and all that. But man, when I, I, I would love to see like a lot of amateur golfers who maybe think they're like an 80 to an 85. You play ball in hole for all 18 holes and see what you actually shoot. Cause you have man, to play ball in hole. It's not golf. Oh. If it's not like a gimme uh, when we're playing is like, is legit like a tap in like, yeah, you pick it up, yep. but like, you know, if but, you're anywhere outside of yeah. like this, like a very, like a, like, a, you know, like we'll say like, you know, yeah. five, six inches, that's not a gimme. You miss well, those great. time to time. So, 100%. But what, okay, yeah. so let's, let's think about this. Yeah. Okay, let's say a, a golfer who says he's like, say he's like, he, okay, what, what, what kind of golfer are you? What's your handicap? Say the guy says he's an 83, 84, 85. Yeah. What percentage of rounds do you think that they're playing ball and hole? I know you might do it. I, I like to do it too, but yeah. like realistically, well, like well, no, everybody guy, in casual rounds, everyone in casual rounds takes gimmies. Like that's just, that's yeah. just the fact. It, and, and really only when you're playing for money or it's kind of a tournament, that's yeah. when it's ball and hole, but ball and hole. I mean, you think it's, it's three, four strokes a game, uh, uh, you know, around. I mean, I would think, I you know, and, and uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, the handicap system is so funky, man. It's it's really it's it, it will never be credible. It will never be fully legit because it, it, yep. it is it is on the player to enter the score. So like you know 100%. you know it, it, you have to enter every single score, which is just it's just not the case. Like you get guys who you know they're like a two handicap, and it's like man, I haven't I don't think I've ever seen them shoot two over. Like they're always in that seven, eight over range. And I'm like, how are they a two handicap? Anyway, it's just a, it's a weird system, but it's such a great game. Uh, I had, so I, today, uh, close friend of the show, Drake Bathurst, he flew home today from Ottawa. It was his first round of the course. We played early this morning with this old man. It was a fun round, but after the round, uh, we went upstairs for some lunch and I'm in the parking lot. And so this is a, this is a crazy little story. So two years ago, I've worked in the golf industry. I've worked at Jasper Park Lodge. I've worked at the Fairmont Chateau Whistler. I've been in. I've worked at my home course that I play at for almost a decade. Walking across the street in middle school, like I have lived in the golf industry. So a couple of years ago, Justin, I'm playing in a tournament, and there's a Bushnell Rangefinder magnet on my cart. It was a. It was. It was yep. one of those tournaments where the superintendent makes the course very hard. It's like the very last tournament of the year. They call it yep. Rick's Revenge. Rick's our superintendent. So I see this <laughs> Rangefinder on our cart and I was playing with a good, another good friend of the show, Jacob McDonald. And, and you know, I just, I thought it was his, he was just hanging there. And so it's a, it's a like top line Bushnell. And I'm like, okay, this is unreal. So I'm using it and I'm passing it to him. And he's like, yo, Greg, when'd you get this? I'm like, what do you mean? When did I get this? I thought it was yours anyway. So I kind of <laughs> went in the shop and I was like, did anybody like say they lost the Bushnell? And it's like one of the last days of the season. Nobody lost it. So 
I just thought, okay, the golf gods have just given me yeah, a gift. Honestly. So I've been using it for the last two years. Well, fast forward to today, I'm in the parking lot. And this, and I feel bad that, you know, this, this mother I know walks up to me and it's been two years. Like I haven't thought twice about it. I've been using it. She goes, Greg, do you have my range finder? And I'm like, what? Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, so what, what is your, what is your relationship or connection with her? So like, I, I mean, she, it's a, we live in a pretty small area here in Nova Scotia. Yeah. So like yeah. I, I went to school with her kids and, and she, you know, she's a, she's a yeah. member. And I mean, you want to talk about just almost a bit of shock. I'm like, like, what? Yeah. She's like, did, she, did you like have it on you at the time? Well, my clubs were in the car. I went in the car and got it for her. But I felt like I'm, I get, I've got a horrible conscience, man. I felt terrible. I'm like, you know, like obviously, you know, if she would have reached out, you know, at any point in time, I'm willing yeah. to give it back to her. I mean, clearly it's, it's hers. It's not mine. And <laughs> I've played with, I play with the pros, the director. I play with everybody of, of like that holds an employment yeah. status at the golf course. And they have heard the story of me finding this bushnell. And it's kind of like, yeah, nobody's asked for it. But when she came up to me and was like, yeah, that's my bushnell. I was like, I am so sorry. Like, I, but, but was it, was it word of mouth? Like how did she all of a sudden after two years, just snipe you with the, with I the have emotional? no idea, but I will get to the bottom no of way. it. I have no idea how she knew that I had had it or that, oh you know, my God. so I don't know that end of the story yet, but I will find out how, how, you know, that, you know, the word of mouth found you know, how the telephone, but I mean, I'm happy that she did because, you know, yeah. obviously here I'm, I'm thinking that I've, you know, found a steal that somebody had come in from Kenwell yeah. because honestly, man, those things get lost all the time. They transfer yeah. hands like like no other. I've been on the, the wrong side of it to a 60-degree wedge in Worcester, but that's for another story. But honestly, man, <laughs> honestly, dude, like you want to talk about shock. It was, uh, I yeah. feel bad. I, I, I really do. But uh, but yeah, I lost my rangefinder today. Uh, I shouldn't say I had to give back the rangefinder that I found. So so we'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get, uh, hopefully, uh, we'll have to, uh, you know, do some browsing around for a new one because honestly, hang they on. make a huge difference. Do you have yeah. a rangefinder, Justin? Well, yeah, yeah. Hang on. I got one right. Somewhere right in here. Hang on. Give me a sec. Cause that yeah, man, they... so, so what's your take? So I'm a big, I, my grandpa put me on this. He, he's fanatic golfer. Yeah. Yeah. I, I go Garmin watch. Okay. Active GPS tracks me. Like again, I, I, cause I know the bush. No, I know the one you're talking about. You put it up to your eye, you snipe the flag. Yep. Uh, um, wherever you are, call me lazy. What have you? This one tracks, obviously it's continuous tracking, right? It knows the bunker. It knows the, the layup spots on the fairway. If you want to be a hundred, 150 water, et cetera, green flag. Uh, but it's just like anytime I'm on anywhere I am on the course, just flick, flick the wrist up and it's actively moving with me. So like, I love it. Cause I just, and it keeps my scorecard when I'm on the green, it asked me for the score, the hole, put it in. Uh, like, you know what I mean? Like it tracks all my rounds and it's just on my wrist. So, I mean, that's, that's what I go with and I've loved it. So does it show you front middle back? Yeah. So the, the thing I could do with this one is when I'm say on the, on the tee box, if I'm on the middle of the fairway, I can move the flag on the watch to exactly where I see it on the green. Okay. And it'll give me exact to that spot. Uh, and plus so, too, yeah, like I all mean, you really need is like a range of like five yards. Like, I'm sorry for, yeah. for the majority of amateurs, like a 173 and a 178. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's, you're, 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 you're trying to hit it within the range. So I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to, like I, again, for, for an amateur like me, guys, people relate. I'm going to give me the front of the green guy. Yeah. My ball. I don't have this sticky ball, the backspin, all this yeah, yeah, action yeah. on my ball. Give me the front of the green, let it roll to the middle kind of thing. And, and I'm happy if I have to kind of go up and down. So 
that's what I use for. But yeah, it gives you front, middle, back, all those things. So gosh, yeah, I know I'm gonna have to look into one, but uh, that's how that that went. And and honestly, man, like I've been feeling kind of like I feel a little sick to my stomach when when that no. stuff happens. Yeah, man, because you're golf, just like golf stuff gets lost all the time. Oh, I think for you're the sure. Right, but- but yeah, and I'm you know. sure when you get it back, you're apologetic. There's no questions oh, asked. Oh, hundred percent. No, and I was yeah, so automatic. Good. Like yes, but like it's just so surprising. <laughs> like it's it's just something that I've been. It's like it's been two full seasons of golf, and you're like, excuse me. Anyway, it was uh it was it was quite Unreal. the uh yeah it was it was quite the story. <laughs> uh, but over the weekend, Justin, we, we talked about. It. I had an episode with Derek uh, from FLA. Man, I'm telling you right now, like through the, through the last I'd say three years. MMA man has just grown on my radar so much. I get, I am so captivated by that sport. It there's just yep. there's something so compelling about you know just the commitment these guys have to to fitness and you know whether it's boxing, grappling, jujitsu, you know whatever you know martial art they expert in or or you know you have got to be well rounded to fight in the the MMA. And yep. I had never been to a fight live, so I'll just tell you a quick story. So I, my dad and I get there. Dad's my dad's a huge fight fan now too. So mm-hmm. you know obviously when we watch hockey, we love you know we love when guys drop the gloves. When we watch football, we love when a linebacker is running downhill and absolutely blows up the running absolutely. back. Like. You, there's just something about violence that that makes sports, you know, you know, fun to watch. And 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 it, it you know, I, I don't know what it is if it's if it's you know just ingrained in us as human beings, but we're captivated by violence. And I, one, and, you one know, of, one of the mo- one of the truest forms of sport in hu- human history. No, like one hundred percent. Maybe running. I think I agree. I agree. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. So so we we're watching this and and uh, the second fight of the night. 30 seconds in, there's a huge takedown. As the guy's taking the guy down, he gets in a triangle uh, choke with his leg and he's tapping out and it's like, oh, like it's just, it's so phenomenal to watch. So shout out the guys from FLA and if you are in Atlanta, Canada, yeah. you got to go check out one of these events because if you haven't seen Fighting Live or if you're not even really into the sport of MMA, I'm telling you right now, if you're a sports fan, you will enjoy it. These guys are incredibly athletic. The commitment, like I said, to you know their trade and their craft, I mean, I don't think there's anything like it. I mean, in, in regard to, you know, how strict their diets are, how, you know, strict those six weeks are pre-fight in terms of their training regimen. Yeah. And then they go in for 15 minutes and, and it's a 1v1. Who is 100%. the better fighter? Incredible. Yeah. Um, and a great, a Greg, uh, I'll just input, you, you'll agree with this too. Yeah, yeah. Like This is for the more, I guess, more of the Canadian uh, listeners we have going on here. Like yep. CFL, like uh, MLS, like Canada loves their sports. This is like, this would do great in Canada. Like a a Canadian circuit for red. Like we're never getting a UFC event, maybe Toronto, maybe Montreal at some point. Like again, they, they, those are the big ones, but like Canadian fans will come out in the smaller cities and like, they just, they would love this. So this is obviously great to hear that this thing's going to be getting going and hopefully it keeps expanding because I would love to catch a fight live. Like you said, I've never been to one in my life and I would love to see it. And it's like, it, it's just, it, when they're in the cage fighting, it's like, it's just must watch. You're glued to it. And and there's yeah. nice breaks. It, it's just, it's just so phenomenal. They did such a great job. You, their pay-per-view and, and they got the, you know, obviously mm-hmm. the, the, you know, everything's FLA, the gloves, the shorts, the, it, they did such a great job. So obviously, you know, for, for small town, Atlanta, Canada, they put on such a great show. Uh, but awesome. Justin, we've been absolutely putting on a rant in the pregame show today. So let's get into the quarter one here. We've got yeah. a miscellaneous quarter. We're going to change it up. Obviously, we've been getting in, which we will get into uh, the NHL and NBA series. But we're going to get into a little bit of a miscellaneous quarter here with the PGA Tour, Formula One. We got Justin's got some Champions League. You guys all know my football soccer knowledge is some of the worst <laughs> in the league. And we'll, we'll update you guys on uh, UFC 288. Uh, obviously, actually, you know, it's funny you, you said, uh, actually, Vancouver hosts the next big. They're coming to Canada for the first time in years. Uh, UFC 289 Perfect. is going to be in Vancouver. 
Vancouver. There you go. In quarter two, we're going to move into the NHL. Quarter three, we've got some NBA talk. Uh, obviously, we're going to break down all the playoff series, what we've seen in the last few days. And then in quarter four, we'll talk about the MLB. But let's get things going, rocking and rolling here. It felt like for a little bit at the Wells Fargo Championship this week on the PGA Tour that we might have had a winner. We had Sung Im in the mix. Victor Hovland, after a couple of days, was sniffing around. We had Tommy Fleetwood, obviously the first-round leader. We gave out all these bats, but in the end... Wyndham Clark, the bomber, gets his first win on tour. Huge win for this guy. Yeah. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, getting your first win at an elevated event, massive for his exemption on tour. Um, you know, a three point six million dollar win. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, we uh, you know we couldn't uh, we couldn't get the uh, the outright winner. But we'll be back. Uh, we'll be back in the mix this week. Would you any? Uh, did you catch any of the action? It's tough to watch golf with all the sports got we got going on right now. Yeah. No, I did catch a little bit of it, um, mostly Saturday and then early Sunday. Um, but, yeah, first of all, like, uh, unbelievable by Clark. This guy went minus 19. Uh, and you know what? I was thinking about this when I was watching it. Like, this is working out, I think, perfectly for the PGA to have these, like, uh, uh, higher-paying events at these kind of tracks. Because, obviously, we know the majors and we love the majors, <clears throat> and you get that competition. But what is it, Greg? Like, maybe one, two events kind of go in that, uh, like, the negative double digits in terms of scoring. Like, Obviously, U.S. is known for for its 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 hard course. Yeah. Uh, St. Andrews scores pretty well, but like you'll have weeks, uh, you'll have uh, years where the wind and conditions are so hard that it's it's uh, tough to play. Where yep. Then you get these PGA Tour events, and, and it brings to uh, to mind a guy like Cantlay, who was winning in the past few years on these events because he could birdie phenomenally. But when he went to the majors, those aren't tracks that you're going to birdie. It's every like a hole huge birdie it's, fest. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Where now we're getting golf. In a massive field, highly competitive, and we're just seeing scoring after scoring after scoring. And I thought it was electric. I thought it was a great mix to have a high payout in an event like this. Yeah. Secondly, we, I, me, you, the Archman, like this is insane right now. Again, we had two top tens. We had a top five, and, and we were yeah, we were in it till Sunday. So uh, we're gonna keep the train rolling here, and, and uh, Archie's gonna, I'm sure, stay hot. What a, what a snipe for him to have that top five pick. Um, but no, I, I, I again, extremely, extremely impressed. Um, just seeing how electric a P, just are, again, like it's, it's. I'm, I'm tuning into PGA Tour events with a lot more intrigue than years past because what's on the line? Absolutely, I, I think that this elevated event, uh, you know, I guess. You know what it does? It just brings all all the top talent on the PGA Tour, and it brings them to one event, and it guarantees that they're going to be there. And I know John Rahm took the week off, but everyone else that's in the top, you know, that are top players on the PGA Tour, are playing in these elevated events, it's amazing. Like I said, the content's incredible. Yeah, Quail Hollow is just such an incredible course. But yeah, I mean, Tommy Fleetwood had a great week. I mean, Xander Shoffley was sniffing around, and, and Wyndham Clark inevitably gets it done. Uh, this week we've got the Byron Nelson, so it's not a it's yep. huge strong field, but. You know, these, these Texas boys, they love the Byron Nelson. They like to tee it up. So we've got Scotty Scheffler, Jordan Spieth. We know they're Texas boys. We know they're going to be there. They're the two betting favorites this week. We've got K.H. Lee, who had a good start to, to last week. I'm not sure where he finished. Probably in the top 20. I mean, he had a good week. He is coming off back-to-back wins here at the uh, at the Byron Nelson. So, um, I mean, is anybody, you know, popping off the page early? Uh, obviously, we'll give out our best bets on Wednesday uh, for outrights, but you'd have to think that it's going to be someone from this cream of the crop that's going to take the dub. And then, obviously, in the next week, we've got, um, uh, I guess, next week's the PGA Championship after this. So Electric. 
Electric. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. May, May 18th May uh, to May 21st is a PGA Championship, and we've had great weekends of golf yep. in between the majors. Like, this is phenomenal. But, um, yeah, who I see right now, uh, I'll give the listeners just kind of a glimpse in who I'm thinking of before I make. Obviously, we're going to lock in our two. Yep. Um, there's four guys that jump off the page or uh, uh, to me here. Two Kims, Tom Kim and Siwoo Kim, I think. Uh, are going to be tremendous value. We'll see. Uh, um, again, going to lock them in later on, but I think they're playing great golf. Uh, and again, if you're not looking at just that top of the, of the, of the uh, um, line and odds yep. here. Yeah. You, you, I love, I like their chances. I really do. So I think they're playing great golf. I think they have the opportunity to have a competitive weekend right to the end. But the two that I'm seeing Scheffler's had a month off. Scotty Scheffler's had a month off, and, and, and I think that's going to be an advantage. Another thing, sneaky little piece here, if Scheffler starts off a little slow, John Ram went double bogey to start the, the Masters. Again, I'm not saying Scheffler's going to double bogey or anything like that, but if he's not winning uh, uh, wire to wire, you can see that number look a little bit more enticing for you. So I think he's a name to be uh, really close on. He's got a lot of time to prepare for this event. Again, he, he, a month off, he's not coming into this event with just absolutely no intention He's coming in to play a great round before the PGA Championship, so he wants to come in hot uh, into that next major. And then the other one's Tyrell Hatton, uh, uh, third on the board here. <clears throat> and I think he's another guy who's been playing great golf that could – like. He, I mean, he just finished tied for third uh, this weekend. A lot, a little bit less competition here. It's it's really about, in his eyes, can I go after Scotty Scheffler? So I think that's something where if, if he's got the hot hand right now, that's a name that most people might not see uh, as something that's so attractive, but I think he's going to have a pretty good chance at it. Yeah, man. Hatton, I find, like, obviously, world-class player. Like, I would assume that he's in the top 20, 25 in the world, but he is so incredibly difficult to pick right. I mean, he's just, he rides so hot and cold, emotionally yeah. and playing-wise. I mean, it's it's hard to pick him right, but I do like Hatton. Scotty Chuffler, would be interesting to see if there is any rust, but obviously, rest and recovered. We know what he brings to the yeah. table. When he's playing at his best... This guy's the best player in the world, right there with John Rahm, right there with Roy McIlroy. Jordan Spieth's interesting. Obviously, we know Jordan Spieth. Next week, looking ahead, he'll be looking to be the sixth golfer ever to win all four major championships. The only major championship he's missing is the PGA Championship. So Jordan Spieth has another opportunity wow. here to be the sixth golfer of all time to, to win all four. So, you know, is he going to get in the mix? Does he want to win? I mean, obviously, when you tee it up, you want to win, but he's going to be a guy to watch. I mean, obviously, he Greg, wants to play well. Hey. Let me let me input on that speed call. I'm looking at it right now. These are his last few events here. Tied fourth, tied for 19, so top 20. Tied third, tied fourth, second place outright, but coming off a missed cut this weekend. So, again, people might look at that missed cut, but, man, he's playing great golf uh, uh, if you kind of take the body of work here lately. So, that's yeah, that's a good eye. Absolutely, yeah. So, we'll see what happens. Obviously, I'm going to be on him at the PGA Championship. I think that he's the type of guy that has the stones to get it done. Uh, but it was the Formula One. We'll move outside the PGA Tour into the Formula One world. Obviously, they were they were uh, in Miami this week. The stars were out and about in Miami. I mean, it's uh, it seems like it's just such a big celebration when there's an F1 race on through the week. And do they do the qualifying on 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 uh, the Saturday, uh, Justin, or the Friday, and then they race on the Sunday? Um, but man, like yeah, they do it right. Yeah, they do it right before. Yeah, yeah. But it just seems like Max Verstappen. He was in the ninth spot starting off and ends up winning. Like, is this guy, like, is he going to challenge Lewis Hamilton? I'm assuming Lewis Hamilton kind of has that gold status right now or, or obviously of our generation. But Verstappen just seems like he's just an automatic win. Like, you probably would have got some good odds on him starting in the ninth spot. 
Uh, again, it's it's that's the that's the battle with F one, and, and I don't think it's going to be a secret. Me and Greg are going to kind of get into this more and more as we keep going, and it's going to be something where I'm going to st- I'm I'm following it a lot more as of the last year for me. And it's about the cars. If you're talking about uh, like looking at what what the value and stuff is, like the cars are such a massive piece to this, and obviously Red Bull sitting one and two with Verstappen and and Sergio Perez, like their abilities are just almost unmatched. So yeah, it's absolutely something where the starting spot could be a little bit of a factor, but for the most part, for the most part, it's going to be for Verstappen every every time. But what you can look at a lot more is is the the future championship. And then again, like when you get into the race weekend, it's going to be kind of like positioning. You can kind of look at uh, uh, where each car is going to finish more of so like the Red Bulls, the Ferraris, the, the Mercedes, etc., like that. So yeah, they're heading to Italy next race, so that'll be another one where I'm sure the stars will uh, enjoy their vacations there. So yes. uh, yeah, gonna start gonna tune into that one. Uh, probably watch for Stapp and win. But I'm interested to see again Perez. Like, is he is Perez going to be someone who's going to be number two the entirety of the way? Like that, those cars are just such powerhouses in the Red Bull machine right now that um, it's going to be interesting to see if if that's just going to be something that's also a lock. Is Red Bull just going to become a one-two lock right now for the rest of the season? Is a is Perez a guy? Because obviously it's it's noted that I mean uh, the viral scene where you know he's driving and, and and you know in the in the cockpit or or sorry in the in the control room they're like let Max yeah. pass you and obviously he was verbally upset about that. But is this a case where we could see Sergio Perez switch? Um, you know, banners or, or, you know, cars just because yeah. he's sick and tired of being number two. Yeah, no, I mean, that's definitely something to to keep an eye on in, in the off season. I think like, I, I mean, you're right. Cause he's showing that he's, a, he's a top end driver. I mean, he's finishing top two every single race. So um, I don't know between me and you, I, I, I think we both agree. I wouldn't be too happy with just being second fiddle. If I could, if I could get to a, a, a car brand here and, and, and a crew here that, is going to say, hey, you're a number one guy, and we're going to start uh, uh, putting money into this thing to to compete with Red Bull because you showed that you could race with the guy. It'd also be a great storyline for F1 if all of a sudden Perez is in a vehicle that could actually compete with Verstappen to uh, to take that title. That'd be unreal to see. I find it hilarious uh, yeah. in regard to you know the athletes. I if you know like right now it's the Ferrari athletes, like it's a Leclerc. I do believe like they're just they're just yeah. like our car socks. Our car sucks. And, yeah. and earlier this year, it was, it was Hamilton with Mercedes. Like, our car sucks. It's yeah. it's it's It would be horribly frustrating for the engineers and the designers of these cars, for their athletes to be like, this isn't good enough. <laughs> <laughs> so and, it, and it's like that sometimes. Yeah. I mean, they, what the rules are, um, the lower you finish, the more time you get to work on your car. Uh, for the next race, but then it just ends up <laughs> being Red Bull and Mercedes. like it. It's got. I, I really do wish though. Like F one's growing in popularity, and, and we're getting into it too, like more and more. And but like, yep. I really do wish it was something where like you had that competitive nature. Need some parity. Need yeah, some parity. Sure, I think sure. the sport needs it. And right even now. if it was like three, three or four cars that could beat Verstappen, and it's yeah. not just Verstappen, no matter where he starts, but. Again, yeah, we're going to get into it, dive into it, see. Uh, I'm interested in Perez, for sure, moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. Justin reached out last episode, and obviously, you guys remember, in the fall, I was trying to kind of spit it, but I'm not as educated. I've watched a bit of the Netflix series. I should probably dive into the totality of uh, the... the. I should watch toe-to-toe the, the Netflix series so I can really um, be versed or more versed in the F1 world. But Justin, uh, will, you know, he wants to talk a little F1 in the miscellaneous quarter, and we're going to start bringing that to you. But he also wanted to mention... The Champions League uh, in Europe. Yeah. What's going on there? What uh, what should the listeners be uh, be noted for in the in the soccer world? Yeah, massive week here for Champions League. We got semifinals begin here for uh, uh, Man City playing Real Madrid. The Real Madrid obviously being last year's champions, 
and AC Milan playing Inter. Obviously, a uh, uh, two Italian teams going at it. A little bit of a derby there. Um, but Man City versus Real Madrid can't be understated. Um, I guess if I were to put it into NFL terms, this is Kansas City Chiefs playing against the Buffalo Bills. I guess you could say yeah. uh, maybe the maybe you know maybe the Patriots playing Kansas City Chiefs because this Real Madrid obviously one of the most historic, if not the most historic, uh, uh, um, clubs in in the world. They they win the most uh, Champions League and one of the best international teams. Coming off the win last year, and this Man City team is an absolute juggernaut. Like th- this is going to be something where they obviously they have Erlen Haaland. The, the number one goal scorer all season, both in Premier League and Champions League, uh, going off against a well-rounded Real Madrid team. Like, it, it's going to be a high-scoring affair. Uh, I'll give my picks. going to be Man City to uh, to win the first leg because, obviously, in the semis, if anyone doesn't know, maybe some listeners aren't, aren't massive soccer fans. It's two games. Whoever scores the most goals in two games it's aggregate, uh, right? wins the semifinal. Yeah, aggregate, exactly. Aggregate. Yep. Um, so I, I'm taking Man City to win the first one. It's obviously their home team, so I think they get ahead, and I think it's gonna be high scoring. So that's gonna be an entertaining game. If you're getting into soccer, if you have a little any interest in this at all, tune into that game. It's tomorrow, 3 p.m. on CBS. So that's gonna be an absolute heater. The next day we got Inter Milan, AC Milan. Like I said, very interesting matchup. Uh, just quickly, the two Italian teams is not something you see all the time in in such a pivotal game for Champions League. Um, so it's gonna be awesome to see those two go at it. That'll be a low score. I'm going to take Inter Milan, but it could be a tie in the first one. Um, and again, maybe maybe we have some listeners, again, not major soccer fans. When I say Champions League, we're talking about you have to finish at the top of your league every year to get into this event. And this is all the top teams from every league playing in a tournament all, all across the whole season. So it's absolutely electric. Uh, um, it's not something we see, obviously, in North American sports with obviously just the top league. So uh, really cool, something to get into if you want to kind of get into the soccer world. But uh, two big games, and we'll obviously should keep the keep the updates coming here and there. This Erling Holland fella, he's 22 yeah. years old. He's got the yeah. most goals ever in a Premier League uh, season. Yep. Does he have an opportunity to be on the Mount Rushmore of soccer? Like, is this guy like Norwegian? Like yeah. <laughs> Norwegian? It's, he 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 looks like a monster. You're right. I mean, it's gonna be crazy. I mean, in Champions League, he's got 12 goals too. It's it's absolutely insane. Like. It's something where he absolutely, if he stays in the right spot, and Man City would be one, um, this guy could go down as the best goal scorer ever. It's it's not going to be Ronaldo. So, yeah, I guess I should kind of step back from that a little bit. But one of the best goal scorer ever is he could compete for the best Premier League goal scorer ever. I know Harry Kane's obviously uh, probably going to set that record now. He's on Tottenham right now in English plan. But the only issue with Erling Holland is he's, he's, he's from Norway. So they don't play the highest event or compete in the highest event international. So, like, this guy was watching during the World Cup despite being the best goal scorer in the world at the time. So in terms of Mount Rushmore, I guarantee you that's always going to be uh, something that's probably going to limit him for sure. Because he needs some international sucks. action. He needs yeah. some international action. It's such yeah. a big part of the game. But the, yeah, he's going to be electric. Tomorrow's a big one. Uh, again, he'll, he, uh, he's got to be fr- he's going to be front and center. Another thing, run, uh, on Man City. Another thing we should note is, is, is Lionel Messi Went over to yep. Saudi Arabia yeah. without permission from PSG. I think his his relationship is now ended with PSG. The Saudi Arabians are offering this guy four hundred million dollars a year to come play football in Saudi Arabia. Are you kidding what's, me? And what's Miami offering him? I heard that number yeah. is going to be a lot higher than people think, and that would be something that's crazy if he goes to MLS, which might happen. Considering hey, he's on the back nine of his career, but still the absolute goat. The money he can make in sponsorships that he's already made. It, but still, this guy coming to the USA would be nuts for soccer. Absolutely, and you think too, in a, from a global perspective, 
how attractive is is Miami from you know just a lifestyle oh, yeah. standpoint, especially for for Messi and, and his family. And uh, I know for and obviously David Beckham is part of that ownership team uh, in, in Miami, so. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if he ends up in Miami. I know that there were some rumors around that, uh, you know, not just within the last six months. So that's going to be very on, interesting. Greg, Greg, yeah, go ahead. You can't. I'm looking at this right now. It's dated May 8th, 4:38 p.m. on ESPN. Live transfer talk. Lionel Messi to accept offer to join Saudi club Al Halal after PSG deal expires. So that I mean, again, he reunite with Ronaldo. I mean, this is what I'm looking at right now on ESPN. This is live transfer talk. So I mean. <laughs> Yeah, I guess we'll keep the updates going, but uh, unbelievable. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, the, the the Saudis don't mind throwing the bag wow. at some of these athletes. Uh, that's absolutely yeah. incredible. Uh, just finally in, in quarter one here, Justin, we had UFC 288 going on, and I want to apologize to all of the fight fans that listened to our my little preview at the end of last episode because I called Henry Cejudo Henry Cueto, which is such a butchering. I took his name to the meat shop and chopped it up and served it rare. I apologize, folks. It's Henry Cejudo, but Henry Cejudo's got an interesting story. I mean, this guy was one of the four athletes ever in the UFC to be a double belt, two-division belt holder. So Conor McGregor, we saw it do, uh, Amanda Nunez, Daniel Cormier, and, and Henry Cejudo. But he retired three years ago, Justin. So this was his return to the UFC at 135. Obviously fought for the belt against Aljamain Sterling. Lost in a split decision. Uh, and then Bilal Muhammad uh, ends up beating Gilbert Burns. You feel for Gilbert Burns, who fought three weeks ago against against Jorge Masvidal. So this guy's just been fighting like a lunatic. Uh, but yeah, like I said uh, earlier, we've got the next card, 289 in Vancouver. Amanda Nunez, one of the greatest women of all time fighting. Uh, Charles Oliveira, who has just been making huge noise in the last few years is fighting. So that'll be fun for Canadian fight fans. We'll preview that as it comes. Justin, you ready to move into the NHL? Let's get into it. I'm ready to go. All right, it's quarter two, ladies and gentlemen. Episode 62, season three of the Daily Nation podcast. we got some NHL talk here. We'll start things off in the New Jersey Devils-Carolina Hurricane series. Um, obviously, we, we remember that Carolina won game one, and I think that was the last time we talked. Game two, a lot more of the same. The first period, kind of timid play, barely even. Bang, Carolina comes up four goals in the second, goes up 4 nothing, ends up winning the game 6-1, and you're looking here going, is this Carolina team going to roll over the New Jersey Devils? In the back of our mind, remember, though, in round one, New Jersey went down 2-0 to the New York Rangers. The Devils, who I we both were on to ha- come back and have a better effort in their game at home, ended up bouncing back. Jack Hughes with two goals, two assists, a lost tooth, a little a little skirmish with Sebastian yeah. Ajo. Uh, they go with uh, Vitek Vanacek. Uh, key component to this series is... In game three, Timo Meyer and Nico Heischer scored their first goals of the playoffs. So that's big for yeah. New Jersey to get those Crazy. guys going, get those guys buzzing offensively. And I know Heischer's not a huge offensive guy, but you got to look at a guy like Timo Meyer who had over 40 goals this season in the regular season. He's got to be finding the back of the net. 2 1 series. We got game, I guess, game four tomorrow night. How'd you feel about the response? How are you feeling? Where are your, you know, where's your allegiance in this series uh, moving forward, Justin? Yeah, so it's, uh, up and down series. I think I said it on the last uh, episode. I said, I, I think there's going to be something where I'm going to be on the wrong side every single game. And it hasn't failed because I think I did have Devils coming back, but did I have them winning 8-4? No chance. <laughs> um, Luke Hughes steps in, gets two points. That's a massive addition Huge. to this offense. And all of a sudden, Carolina has trouble with defense, which is the last thing uh, I would have thought in this series. If I, I, I was thinking, hey, Devils get a win or two, maybe push this thing to seven. It's going to be Schmied standing on his head 
um, and winning maybe some 2-1 games, 3-1 three, games like they were doing against the Rangers late because Carolina's defense is absolutely stout. Something interesting to look at here, if people are kind of looking for answers on, on this Devil series, line matching at home. Jordan Stahl against Jack Hughes. That's what Carolina was doing every game in Carolina, and they dominated. The expected goals 5-on-5, five five, the shots 5-on-5. Uh, five five. Devils had a couple more great A's, but the goals that were scored, uh, their line lost, I think it was 3 nothing in the two games of Carolina. I'm talking the Jack Hughes line versus the Jordan Stahl line of Carolina. Jordan Stahl, 32 years old. He's been in... Uh, all the playoff runs with Pittsburgh has been on this Carolina team for a long time. He's a massive boy, Thunder Bay born, not a big deal, but he's somewhere <laughs> that's going to be, he's going to be locked down defensively. He's going to win a lot of faceoffs. He's not going to give that Jack Hughes line much, much opportunity. Now we go to New Jersey. Jack Hughes line gets away from that matchup because they have last change. That is a huge part of this uh, uh, X factor. And you talk about Timo Myers scoring goals. Um, he's sure obviously too, but Timo Myers is a big one where they could match their lines. Devils have the last change. So when the puck's in the ozone faceoffs in, in, in Carolina's end, they could put out their Jack Hughes line if Jordan Stahl's not out there. They could put out Timo Meyer or whatever matchup they want that night. Uh, Luke Hughes could be t- taking faceoffs in the ozone without worrying about maybe Ajo's line. Like, that's something uh, I didn't really uh, account for until I saw some of the numbers when they matched up, man. We could, I, I could very much see the Devils winning and tying this series up, and we could go 2-2 back to Carolina. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was huge. I posted in the chalkboard app. If you're not in there, I uh, like the Devils minus 2.5, but I did parlay that with the Leafs, which we'll get into. Absolutely disgusting performance by them. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to be huge, and I didn't take note of that. That is massive it, when you get home ice. The, the line matching can be huge. Um, and to get away from the captain, that defensively sound air, uh, Jordan Stahl could be huge for, for, you know, give you more ice. And, and it, it looked, obviously looked like it, it paid off big for a guy like Jack Hughes with, with two and two. Um, but we are set for game four. I think that it is tomorrow night. So tomorrow night, Tuesday, we're recording yep. here Monday. Uh, so we'll have game four. I'll be riding the devils again. I'm going to ride the hot hand. It seems like they're a yep. team that once they get a little bit of momentum, once they start feeling it. They can get things rocking and rolling. So I'll be riding the Devils again. I don't know if you like that or not, Justin. Yeah, I completely agree. I think, I, like I said, I think the Devils tied up the series. Uh, I mean, obviously this series wasn't done when we made our, few, our our playoff picks going forward. What do you want to say? I know it's 2-1 Carolina, so a little bit of an asterisk, but what's your pick? Do you think Devils could come back and win this series? You take Carolina? What's your mindset at? Oh, gosh, I'm torn here because a guy like Brent Burns, we haven't talked about him. He's having such a phenomenal playoffs. What an addition yeah. he's been for that team. And Ajo's been incredible, but... I just think that as we continue on in this series, that the Devils, they just have the depth and they have their full team. They're working completely healthy. And you got two guys uh, in the net right now. It looks like they're going to ride the hot hand in Vanacek, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see, um, you know, Akira uh, Schmid again. But I'll, I'm going to ride uh, I'm, no, I'm gonna ride the Devils. I, I, I hate to do this because we'll get into another series out west that I keep going against and I'm looking like a fool. But I'm going to yeah. go with the Devils. I just think in a, in a seven-game series, these guys are built for the marathon, and they're going to end up winning the series. For sure. And, I mean, I, again, it's 2-1 Carolina, so I take it as you will. And I think the Devils tie it up. I'm going to go Carolina in seven. Uh, maybe that's something people find surprising that I do think it'll go seven. I think, like I said, I think, again, I think we're just – I think we're thinking the same thing. I th- I'm just going to take that that one extra bounce goes Carolina's way in game seven, and, and you're on the other side, and I don't think that's surprising. I could see it going both ways. Absolutely, and what a testament to you know that team, and you know being without you know their top three left wingers in their lineup. There's not too many teams that can be competing the way they are. And I mean, Rod Brennamore has those guys going. We know how good of a team they are. They're so deep, and they bring it every night. So uh, that's going to be exciting tomorrow night. But we got to talk about the the Leafs and Florida Panthers. So the Toronto Maple Leafs are now on the brink. They're down three zero to the Florida Panthers, and 
I mean, for for a city that hadn't won a a round one playoff series uh, since two thousand four, and now you find yourself in round two, you think you think after that series, and we both were like, the Toronto Maple Leafs now watch out, like these guys learn how to win. They did it. It has been a gong show for them in this second round, and Simsonov ends up in game three. We'll just hop into game three on the road in Florida. Simsonov ends up colliding with Shen. It's a zero. It's a one nothing hockey game. I do believe at this point, and uh, Simsonov ends up leaving the game. And I'm not sure if you watched that moment, but at that moment, I yeah. felt a lot of unease. I was like, okay, I know Joseph Hall had a great season in the AHL. He was six and one in the NHL this season, but. The playoffs is much different. The emotions are much different. The nerves are going to be much different. And I found him, I found him shaky to be completely honest. Yeah. And even the overtime goal. So Sam Reinhardt ends up ending in overtime a wraparound goal. And I was talking about it with Drake today on the golf course. He said most goalies kind of they they peg their their skates on each post and they look at the back of the net with their stick yep. covering the five hole, kind of figuring out which side he's going to go. Well, Wall didn't really make a decision. He was kind of up. Watched him go around the net. I'm not sure if he knew where the puck was, but it didn't look like great mechanics from the young kid. So yep. Toronto's on the brink. Is there any chance that these guys could go back and win this series? Or is this is this thing gift wrapped and it's it's donezo? Um I had Toronto in five. <laughs> uh I made a video and I, I was all over him. I was all over Toronto five. I thought we both they got were. Over we both I, were. You you were six, I was five. Oh my goodness! And how about Sheldon Keith? Uh, uh, just phenomenal insight. Great, great. Uh, he says, "End quote." Difficult to understand Maple Leafs flat series. Mm. Keith, that's get on them. Get on this team. They like. I don't know. I, I, we're not in the locker room. We don't know what's going on. But Greg, did did they come out of that game three like out of a cannon, like looking like, hey, we lose this game, we're done. I didn't see it. Like they were up two one. That was a pretty boring game. Like that wasn't a game to me. That was a team whose life is on the line. That's what amazed me. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't want to, like, they have so much experience. It's so hard to like critique them or, or act like we could kind of understand what's going on. Cause it really doesn't make any sense. You know, like, the perfect is example is that, Justin is, 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 is Jack Hughes and Sebastian Ajo. Yeah. Look at those yeah. guys. They're rolling around. There's a motion flying. Where where yep. are the perimeter princesses? Where's yep. Matthews? Where's Nylander? Where's Warner? Like, where are you guys? I thought Tavares Great. looked pretty good, we, though. Yeah, and, and we're talking about... Okay, we were looking at the Devils. The biggest critique we had on them was experience. We said how hard it is to go up against a team like the Rangers, go up against their experience, and, and be able to play a seven-game series, matching their intensity, et cetera, et cetera. They went down 0-2. They didn't just go down 0-2. They got waxed in the first two games. Carolina, even more experience than the Rangers had. Greatly, unbelievably coached team. They went down 0-2. They're now in the 90th game of the season, down 0-2. The, the weather's unbelievable. They could be looking at the golf course, and they don't. they, they come out in game three and make a statement saying, hey, we are here to win the Stanley Cup. And they made sure they won that game, and they did it with emphasis. The Leafs never showed for a second that tenacity, that response, any character that was like, hey, we're going to come out and make a statement here in Florida to show we we are far from over, we are a cup team, and we're going to answer the call. Like, they were in this game to the end. They, they were leading this game. I can't say that they're not going to win a, a game four and maybe make it a five-game series, whatever. But, like, I say that because I, I their roster is so talented on paper, but they haven't showed any reason to believe. Like, Florida Panthers play the opposite game as, as Toronto. Like, Florida Panthers, to me, play every game 
Like it's their seasons on the line and they're up 2-0. So again, I, I mean, I, it's hard to have any faith in Toronto going forward. I, I it made me look like a fool to say the least. Oh my, well me as well. But I think about words like jam, sandpaper, you know, grit and, you know, you playoff, look around the league, playoff you things, look man. around the league and, and like Leon, Leon Dreisler, McDavid, they do play with a little bit of sandpaper if they're not going, if they're not, if they're offensive engine, which rarely is the, is the case, but you do see them yeah. kind of getting mixing up. You know, they've got a little bit of that. I think about the Boston Bruins, Marshy and Bergey and those guys, if they're even Pasternak, if they're not going offensively, they're going to, they're going, they're going to go look for a big hit physically, get in the yep. game somehow. When Marner and Matthews aren't going, these guys they're just not they're 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 not engaged in the game at all. And we talked about it last episode, Justin. But you've got a guy like Austin Matthews. There's really no excuse for it. It's just plain and simple. You're soft. If you're that big of a body yep. and you can skate that well, and you're not willing to go throw a hit, just go mix it up. Throw a face wash yep. on a guy. Even when Steven yep. Stamkos was feeding him lefts, he looked like a complete doll. And I and yeah. I don't want to be disrespectful, and I and I mean this in the sincerest way. But that's you're just being soft, and and that's just yeah. not going to get it done. It's unacceptable in the NHL playoffs, and especially when this team is dependent on you to be creating. If you're not creating, go have an impact on the game in some other way, and they just haven't been able to do that. And it looks like these guys are going to get swept because I haven't seen any sort of life from the top end guys from the Toronto Maple Leafs. And you know what? I'm 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 completely flipping the script, and I, I'm flipping it because I'm watching what's going on. So this is a reaction to what we're seeing. Florida Panthers are the favorites to win the Eastern Conference, not favorites to win this round. Obviously, they're up three zero. They're the favorites to win the Eastern Conference. This Carolina team isn't. <clears throat> Se- Seattle Kraken is is a different conversation. You know, we're we'll kind of seeing the it. same thing going on with oh, them, yeah. but this Florida team isn't that. This Florida team is legit to me. Like I didn't have them as legit. I'm not going to sit here and act like. I'm on the Florida Panthers because I, I read the game. Pro- no, they fooled me. They they weren't great in the regular season. They didn't show up to the last 10 games, but now they're rolling, and, and they are legit. They have they have goaltending that's been consistent. They have an offensive team that all four lines absolutely hum, and they play with the characteristics that you just talked about that you need in playoffs. Their defense isn't unbelievable, but they have Montour in the back end and Ekblad, who are great offensively, and Mark Stahl plays a gritty game. For, Again, like Forsling, a little about. underrated. Forsling's been playing fantastic. Forsling on... Yeah. Exactly, 100%. And they have those pieces that Kachuk's a gritty game. Barkoff plays a heavy, heavy, strong defensive game. Yep. They have the ability. Yeah, they have the ability to make a lot of noise. So, like, I could absolutely see Carolina and, and Florida go after it here in the in the, in the the conference finals. I mean, they both have a Thunder Bay guy on the team, Mark Stahl, Jordan Stahl. I mean, that has a lot to do with winning, getting that tough hockey plays. But, again, this – I, I, I got to say, honestly and truthfully, this Florida team – I completely underrated them. I didn't see this coming, and, and they're they're true. They they're a contender. No, I mean again, it's it's silly to say that and, and act like that's a big statement, but I'm just finally recognizing it and, and calling it how I see it. They are truly a contender to win this whole thing. No doubt, no doubt, and and they're 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 buzzing, and you know it. it you feel bad. I mean, okay, so let's just let's let's fast forward here, and you don't want to get too far ahead of it. Can the Leafs win? Sure, they're gonna have to get. They're gonna have to take it one game at a time. Obviously, can't look too far ahead. And you've got to, you know, you've got to change. You've got to play with a little bit of desperation, and maybe being against the ropes in three games, maybe they will. May, you know, this, this I, you know what? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna. It, from what I've seen, this thing is done. Yeah. Can they change yeah. their game? At times during the in the Tampa Bay series, they looked like a different team. They looked like a team that had matured. So we'll see. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, say there's a zero percent chance. Obviously, I would say it's 
you know, what is it, like a two and a half percent chance that they can come back and climb this mountain with the reverse sweep. But what happens? Yeah. What happens if this thing closes up in four or five games? Is Keith gone? Or, or is is one of the big four gone? Like, you can't keep running this thing back thinking that these guys are going to change their mentality because it's been too long. And Leafs fans, you know, I don't think they're, they're going to stand for it. I mean, it's it's been ugly there in Toronto, man. Well, what I assume is Ryan O'Reilly on a one-year deal. Like, was he just a rental? He's piece? a UFA. Yeah. So yep. he's gone, and you yep. don't have all the draft. You're not going to have as many draft picks. And how willing are you to keep putting first-round picks into rental pieces? Yep. Um, Nylander. We, we, we want to talk about guys. What, like Nylander led this team in points during the regular season, did he not? Yep. And, and I mean, eight points in this playoffs is twenty-fourth in the playoffs right now. Points. That's a huge offensive piece. Is he something you keep there? And again. We had the hypothetical. Oh, if you if, if this goes down, you train Matthews for Bedard, whatever. Yeah, okay. Leave Matthews. He's a superstar. I'm not 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 disagreeing that 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 was a good that was an interesting topic. Even Marner, keep him there. But I want to know what Leafs fans are thinking about William Nylander. What do you what do you because again, you're gonna trade him for maybe a younger piece, maybe t- some depth pieces, but you're gonna open up cap space too. And like, how many? I want Leafs fans to, to, to just tell us. Uh, like, are you seeing something from William Nylander in the playoffs? That you, he is detrimental to be back next year. I recognize how good he is in the regular season, but you can't deny what you're watching here in the playoffs. You're about to get swept in round two, and you're just going to run it back with every single piece. I I think that it could be monumental changes. And we look at a guy like Austin Matthews. He's only got one more year, one more year left on his deal. You've got a huge decision to make because if you're not if you're not feeling like he's going to resign, you want to get some return for a guy like Austin Matthews. And I don't think Willie's, I think Willie might have one more year as well. So there's going to be some huge decisions to make. Obviously we know that Kyle Dubas, he doesn't have a contract. He's a lame duck GM. So, I mean, they could just ship house and and it could be a clean sweep retool in Toronto, but that's going to be such an interesting case. Let's move on out West. We've got the Dallas Stars and Seattle Kraken. And this is a team that I just, I, I, I just cannot get behind, but they can, like, they just keep on surprising me. Seven yeah. different goal scorers. Dallas ends up tying the series one, one at home. They get the four, two win. We talked about it last episode. Seattle goes at home where they haven't been fantastic all season long. They win seven, two, seven different goal scorers. These guys just won't go away. It's unbelievable. And and they end up absolutely dusting the Dallas Stars, and now they've got a two one lead with uh, with Game Four going at home. It's it's insane. I mean, this is a team again. We talked about them beginning of playoffs, and I brought up their depth and experience is underrated. But man, did I absolutely not think that they could be doing this around two? I thought, yeah, they could. I thought it was pretty bold to be saying they'll push Avs to Game Six or Seven here, Greg. Like that's what we we thought we were making bold statements with that. Yeah, they're sitting here up two one against Dallas. And they're not showing any reason to believe they won't win the series. Again, NHL playoffs do this all the time. You get, you see a team dominate, you get comfortable with them, you think you know what you're, what's going to happen, and you get a response right away. And I do think Dallas is a team that has ability to have a big response. And again, I think Dallas could win this series still. I'm, I'm going to still sit on Dallas and uh, I had him in six. I'm going to sit on Dallas in six. Uh, maybe it goes seven, but. The Seattle team is is going to be a tough out. They've shown it. I mean, I, I still believe that. But I'm going to chop this up to unbelievable performance. Ottinger didn't have it. And I'll say this: if you look at the advanced analytics, um, the the advanced the advanced analytics showed the goals expected goals for Seattle were not seven. They're around three, four, or something like that. So there are a lot of pucks go in on weak opportunities, weak goals, and that's not going to be consistent moving forward. 
I think Ottinger, I think this was big for Dallas. I think this was a statement loss in terms of this woke them up. This really woke up Ottinger. I think we might see Ottinger go on an absolute run. I'm going to have Dallas win the next two games, Greg. That's that's what I see. I got Dallas win the next two games, and I think they go back in charge of this series, and we're looking at a 3-2 series where we're going to have to see whether Seattle could push at seven or if Dallas finishes in six. We might sound like complete idiots by the time this series is over because I'm with you. I, I like I still like Absolutely. Dallas to win this series, and I mean, I, I I apologize if you are a Seattle Kraken fan because we just cannot find it in our in our sports fandom to give them any benefit of the doubt. We we're both riding the stars. We're thinking that that seven two loss wasn't uh, wasn't reflective of how the series is going to go. So we'll see we'll see if uh, if that's going to be a freezing cold take could be retweeted. Uh, but let's move in <laughs> let's move into this final series, let's and go. we got to talk about the Edmonton Oilers response here. So we don't want to get too far ahead of anything. It's been one game that was a lot of Las Vegas Golden Knights. It's been one game. It's been a lot of Edmonton Oilers. But Leon Drysital, he's got thirteen mm. goals in eight mm. games. The record oh in a playoff run for goals is 19. Is it a formality at this point that he's going to get to that number? I think that if they win this, I mean, he, he might get close after two series. McDavid yeah. was absolutely buzzing. That shorthanded goal is phenomenal. Skinner played unbelievable 31 stops and 32 shots. I mean, it got a little rough and tough at the end. You got a Vander Kane throwing laughs in the media. He says, if you want to F around... You want to fuck around, you're going to find out. I mean, the Edmonton Oilers, that was a statement comeback. Now they're heading home, tied 1-1. Is this going to be, are we going to see a little bit more from the Edmonton Oilers? Is this series going to be back and forth all uh, all seven games? No, for sure. And um, <clears throat> interesting stat here, just quickly, Andre, I saw you touched on Yeah, Yari Curry, uh, Yari Curry leads with 19 all time. Uh, that's a formality. Drysdale is going to absolutely fly by that uh, 100%. <laughs> Here's an interesting stat I saw watching the Panthers game. And I, I just couldn't believe it. The Florida Panthers franchise all-time leading goals was for Hagee. He scored he scored the uh, the other game, twelve goals. Twelve goals is the all-time playoff leader for franchise goals for the Florida Panthers, who've been around since 1993. By the way, I know they're new, but 93. It's 2023. Leandro Dreisaitl has 13 goals as playoffs. In eight 13 games, 13 goals. He's he has more goals than the record playoff all time. That's season over season for the Panthers player who yep. has 12 for Hagee. And, and kudos to him. Great, great, great stat. He's going to be a great player. He's having a great season. Leon Dreisel's already broken that in this playoffs alone. It is unbelievable. And in terms of the Oilers versus Vegas game here, the Oilers are now the favorites to win the Stanley Cup. That, that, that's where we are right now, okay? And the Oilers are absolutely... Uh, uh, Vegas loves. I'm not talking about the Vegas Golden Knights. I'm talking about the uh, the the bookkeepers down there. Love Edmonton in this game tonight, and we had Edmonton in five or six games, and I couldn't be more happy about having them in five games because I think this is exact exactly where it's going. I think Edmonton wins this game at home. That that they go two one. Okay, they split on the road. That's all you have to do. Split on the road, you're in a great spot. Yep. They win at home this game. I think they win at home the next game. They go up three one. And I think they go into Vegas and Jack Eichel and his his character that we've already seen. I'm a Buffalo fan. I don't want to talk about the grudges <laughs> I may have on him or not. That is not Mark Stone. Maybe Mark Stone and Petriangelo might be able to get this group up for that game. But with the goalie situation in Vegas and how hot this Oilers team, Oilers don't win Game One. We already talked about this. They lose every series first game. Yeah, this is just nothing to react about. Give them Game One, and now Big David and Drad are going to go absolutely ballistic. 
I have Edmonton easily in five. It's, uh, I am so confident in Edmonton in five. I like it, man. I like the Edmonton Oilers a lot. And I've been bullish. I mean, these two guys, this power play, like 55% or oh something ridiculous. God. Like, as soon, like you cannot take penalties. Does that change the yep. way you play in the playoffs? You got to be so careful because you know as soon as you head to the box, it's a coin flip. These guys are scoring. It's yep. absolutely outrageous. It's been incredible. You can't say it enough. I mean, num- number 29 for the Edmonton Oilers, he has been the best player in the playoffs, and it's just not even close. McDavid said it in his interview. They kind of just trade back and forth nights. Who's the best player in the NHL? And it's yep. it's one of those two guys. So, I mean, it's just such a deadly um, you know, team. And and uh, obviously, we got to give a little uh, a, a, a little bit of love to – I'm sorry, I'm, it's bl- I'm blanking on his name. Is it Woodcroft, the, the head coach of the Edmonton Oilers? Yep. Yep. I mean, ever since this guy's come in, they, they, they have just been phenomenal. And I don't know what he's doing in that dressing room to push the buttons, but that at-home trade, too, at the deadline was just incredible. And they're getting, you know, their depth, they're, they're playing tough. And, oh, man, I, I've really enjoyed what I've seen out of the Edmonton Oilers. And, and I know, you know, we're going to overreact to that big win, but tonight's going to be a phenomenal game. Cannot wait to watch. Um, Justin, let's move into the halftime show here. So we've got what comes to mind when you think of blank. So we'll give each other just random categories throughout the sports yeah. world. And... What comes to mind when you think of blank? So I'm going to give you five categories here, Justin. And they're just very, very standard categories. You could say an athlete, team, whatever really in the sports world comes to mind. Love it. What comes to mind when you think of the number seven? Gosh, when I think of the number seven, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with the Patriots. Are they at seven? Are they at seven right now? Tom, six. Tom Brady. I'm thinking Tom Brady just winning Super Bowl, setting the records there. Uh, I mean, yeah, whether it's seven w- overall or whatever it is, that's what I think of when I think of seven. It's just like that, it. that's a number that I don't know will ever be beaten by a single player. Huh. It's going to be tough. It's got more than any other franchise. Between Insane. the legs hockey goal. Oh, between the leg hockey goal. Gosh, which one do I think about? For whatever, I'm, I'm thinking Dad Souk. I don't know if he how many he's got. I'm thinking McDavid on Dallas. Oh, they're coming to me now. Like, oh, someone, I can't remember who was it. Uh, um, a beauty on my Buffalo Sabres too. I, I saw, saw that one way too often, but. Was it Tim, Tim Connolly? Did Tim Connolly have a nasty one? I don't, it might've been. I don't know. You know who I'm thinking of too? That just, the Rangers guy. That, Merrick that, like, Malik. Fifth, Merrick yeah, Malik in like the 15th round. One. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, that was a nice goal. Linebacker. Erlacher comes to mind, right? Isn't he an all? He's an all timer. Oh all-timer. my when you, goodness! You think of linebacker, you think of just crushing humans, and that's what Erlacher. That's yeah, why he yeah. comes to mind immediately. Didn't even have to think about it. That guy's all time. Steroids. Alex Rodriguez. That was quick. That was too quick. <laughs> that was too quick. I didn't know what and direction. I, I didn't mind Aaron. I mean, I know he's got steroids, but I thought he was a pretty electric player. He's good on. Uh, Got a lot of uh, social media stuff going. He's obviously on the networks there for baseball, but A-Rod does come to mind when you say that. The Detroit Pistons. The malice in the palace, no? Oh, I would that's say. Gotta, yeah, that's yeah. got to be what it is. What a mess that was. <laughs> uh, a little bit of uh, early Dennis Rodman comes to mind, obviously yep. from seeing that stuff in the documentary, but for sure that's what I think of when I think Pistons. I love it. I love it. You got a few for me? All right, I, I, got, I got five for you here. Ready? Let's do it. All right, first one. We're in playoffs. Let's go. Clutch. Yeah, clutch. Who do I think of when I think clutch? Um, I'll say Justin Williams. Hundred percent. That's exactly what I thought, man. Mister Game. Mister Game Seven. I like it. All right. Greatest sports city. 
Who are you thinking of? Boston. <laughs> Too easy. Come on. Too easy <laughs> with you, especially. All right. Draft bust. Uh, Ryan Leaf. Yeah. Drafted ahead of so Peyton fair. Manning, correct? Yeah, I think he was in that he one. He was right? number one, Ridiculous. and then Peyton Manning was two. Yeah. All right. European legend. European legend. Uh, David David Beckham? Yeah, uh, 100%. Yeah, David like Beckham. All right. All right, last one. Sports disgrace. Oh, gosh. Do I go with, was it Greg Oden? <laughs> Greg Oden? <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey. Sports oh, disgrace. <laughs> I mean, you could have got Lance Armstrong. <laughs> yeah, that's not a bad one, too, for sure. Yeah, You know who I kind of think about a little bit and you feel for is Antonio Brown because that guy was unbelievable. 100%. He just went off the rails, man. Antonio Brown's a good one, too. Um, who all sports disgrace? Gosh, there's, there's, I mean, there'd be a long list if you could. Long list. Oh my. Long list. We well, might have to draft that sometime. The biggest bad, sports, hey. dis, the I'm biggest a, disgrace in sports. I highlight that one. That's, <laughs> that would be unreal. Um, hey, that's a good one though. That's a good little halftime show, folks. Hopefully you guys had some different names. Hopefully you guys thought our, uh, our train of thoughts were on, uh, we're on the right path there, but that's a halftime show. Episode 62, season three of the Daily Mission Podcast. We're moving into quarter three here, Justin. And we've got some NBA to talk about. Let's move right into the Boston Celtics, Philadelphia 76ers series. Game three, Boston Celtics take it. Um, you know, solid games from Tatum and Brown. They were obviously the leaders, the heartbeat of that team. And uh, didn't get enough out of, uh, out of Harden and the supporting cast in Philadelphia. Then game four. What a thriller that was yesterday. The end of the game, James Harden has a clutch basket. They go up. Uh, they tie the game, I apologize, with about, I think, 18 seconds left. The Celtics go down. Obviously, the ball goes to Tatum. He drives the basket, kicks it out to Marcus Smart. Clank. Goes to overtime. Again, same, almost a similar scene in overtime. Uh, the uh, the 76ers go up by one. Tatum gets the ball, drives the hoop, kicks it out to Marcus Smart. Clank. I don't know if that's the guy, if you're a Boston Celtics fan, that you want shooting those clutch shots. I'm looking at a guy like Jalen Brown, um, you know, to, to potentially, even Al, Al Horford, I would assume, you know, shoots the three ball maybe just as good as Marcus Smart. That might be a freezing cold take, but I know that guy uh, can get, a, a, you know, a, a, you know, a little efficient from beyond the air. I, I was a little upset seeing Marcus Smart shoot those shots, uh, but we got, yeah. we're tied 2-2 now in that series, heading back to Boston. What'd you see, Justin? I know, I mean, we're both, uh, we're on different sides of this series, so it's an absolute battle right now yeah and we're heavily on other sides like 76ers for me was one of my like hotter takes and i love them for a long time and, yep. and obviously you're a celtics fan and we'll, and we knew this was happening we we had seven game series on either side and this is exactly what we're seeing um we talked about it on the last pod that i didn't love what i saw out of Embiid. i think that was a big one for me that i didn't like his answer and then we had game three happen and everyone on the celtics had double digit scoring it seemed like it was insane like the Celtics team made me worry. It really did. And I really didn't have a whole lot of confidence in the 76ers coming back for game four, but they did. And they showed up really well. And it was a two man game between Embiid and Harden, obviously having uh, 76 points between the two of them. And uh, I was following the game and I tuned into the fourth quarter. Um, 76ers were leading the whole way and Celtics were able to go on a run in about four, three or four minutes where it was like 14 to two run. And it looked like that game was going to be over. It looked like the series was going to be over. 3-1 Celtics lead, um, and just crazy response. Harden went from 
fumbling the ball in the most routine spots, just couldn't make a shot. Embiid got blo- blocked by Horford four or five times in a row. Who doesn't? He doesn't get enough credit, I don't think, being hidden on that deep Celtics team. But somehow, some way, Harden goes vintage old school Rockets Harden and just absolutely puts the team on his back to hit some clutch shots. And again, you you critique Marcus Smart. I, I you definitely see him more than I do. Whenever I tune into a game and I don't want the Celtics to win, Marcus Smart hits every three when I'm watching. I swear he hit three or four in a row. I know obviously the last one he didn't get off in time. He had three or four in a row late, and I it's the most frustrating thing seeing this guy hit a three ball, trot back with the look on his face. He's a dog. He's a dog. Hair, <laughs> He's a dog. Green hair and just absolutely make you feel like you have no chance. But James Harden. It's tough to it's tough to feel confident when when they, those two have to go off for for seventy six points. But man, these two defenses are going at it right now, and and Horford's game is just keeping him beat in check a little bit, which is crazy to say when he has thirty four. But it feels like coming down the stretches is when Horford turns it on. But where do you stand? You're a Celtics guy, uh, more of a fandom than me. Just just on, on my prediction and pick that I, I'm trying to ride. Are you confident? It's a two two series, but. I mean, Celtics have shown they could win the last three games, obviously, and now you're going back to Boston for game five. Yeah, I like where this team is at. I really do. Um, I, I I mean, it's been, obviously, it's taking Harden in game one with a 45-point performance, and then in game four with yeah. a 42-point performance. It's taking that guy to really dig deep and show the James Harden of, of, of you know, five years ago for them to, to, to win. And they're not winning, you know, with statement wins. They're winning, you know, they're grinding it out. So I do like where the Celtics sit. Um, it's been a great series to watch. Uh, there's no doubt about it, but... Uh, it's going to be interesting. I think I think the Garden's going to be buzzing. But I actually, the only NBA game I've ever been to was Houston um, uh, taking on the Celtics in 2018, and Harden went bananas. And I, yeah. I, that was the first time I had ever seen a basketball game live. The Garden was got buzzing. But that guy is almost an automatic bucket when he's when he's playing well. So it's going to be interesting. I, th- I look at two guys for the 76ers: Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris. Like you need a little bit more out of those guys. We know what yeah. Tyrese Maxey can bring to the table. He can, you know, he can supplement the scoring of Embiid and Harden in a great way. He can go off. I think in the in round one he did have a he had a couple 30 40 burgers so yeah. um they need a little bit more yeah, to him we haven't seen that from but we haven't seen that from tobias you're right no we need a little bit more to tobias harris um you know he's a guy who who, who can play and and um you know th- this is a this is a team that needs a little bit more to their supporting cast but uh it's a great series we knew it was going to be i mean as soon as milwaukee was bounced in the first round these were clearly the two top teams remaining in the eastern conference and we get them in the second round um, going to be fun one. Uh, we've got uh, game five, I guess, tomorrow night. So uh, we'll see how that goes in Boston. Let's move into the other series. The New York Knicks take it on the Miami Heat. Uh, we we didn't really know. We didn't have much of an update on Jimmy Butler's foot uh, or his ankle. And uh, he comes back. He returns at home versus the Knicks. He puts up 28, and they roll. Look at a guy like uh, like uh, Julius Randle, four from four fifteen from the field. Got to be better. Uh, Miami Heat rolls. They're up two one in the series. Uh, we've got uh, game four tonight. Um, you know how are we feeling about the Miami Heat and New York Knicks? I mean, it just it just seems like whoever wins this series is going to get bounced in the conference finals, in my opinion. Uh, but they're going to battle it out for it. And and uh, you know, I was on the I think I was on the Heat. You were on the Knicks. How you feeling? Yeah, uh, I had Knicks in six. You had Heat in five. Um, and if I'm assessing this after three games, I think you're in a way better situation. Um, a big name for me that being out is Emmanuel Quickly. Uh, he's out, sprained ankle for the Knicks. He was a guy that was in the running for sixth man of the year. 
That's a huge depth piece on a team that doesn't really have, I would say, a superstar in scoring. I know Brunson's coming into uh, uh, that stardom, uh, all-star for sure, but he's not that superstar. He's not Tatum. He's not Embiid, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. That's tough for me, man. I, I mean, I know I had the Knicks, but uh, I'm going to be someone who's – I'm going to call it how I see it right now. I mean, it's only fair that I, I think the Heat are in a spot to kind of take this series pretty smoothly. I'm maybe th- I'm thinking six games here. Uh, um, at best – I think the Knicks could push it seven, but I still think the Heat Butler's looking like he's more comfortable on that ankle. I'm sure they're numbing that thing out. They're taping it like crazy before every game. And I don't think it's going to be too much of an issue, but I do agree moving forward. We're kind of just looking at a team that, hey, you uh, overachieved in making the conference finals, but you're going to run into a juggernaut there on the other side. But I got to take, I got to think Heat. Yeah. I, I mean, they're, they're, it's a four and a half point game right now they have it at. Like, that's not, that's not. I mean, people consider this game, t- this, these two teams, pretty close, but that's not that's not that, cl- that that's not that close if you really think about it. No, it's not. The the Bucks are on the Heat, and and we'll see what happens. Obviously, it's a pivotal game for tonight in Miami, and and they've got all the momentum. And and the way Jimmy Butler's playing, it's it's going to be tough because, like you said, is there a guy on the other on the other side of the ball that can match his stardom? Can it be Can it be uh, Brunson? Guy, I'm looking at Julius Randle's got to be better. Got to be better than 450 from the field. You know, he's got to have a bigger game, and, and he's got to be more of a driving force for that Knicks offense. So we'll see what happens in, in game four. Um, uh, but let's move into out west because, I mean, we got to start with the Nuggets and Suns. I mean, we, we thought this Nuggets series was over. When you, you win two at home, you're not seeing much from Booker and, and Durant. And then Devin Booker says, huh. You remember me? Game three puts up 47. Durant puts up 39. These two guys know it doesn't matter. We don't have CP3. We will put the team on our back. Game four, 36 points for each Durant and Booker. The worry, the worry is, is that Jokic in game three puts up 30, bunch of rebounds, bunch of assists. Then he puts up 52 points in uh, in game four and loses. Assists. And, and 11, 11 assists. assists on that. Like just the the only thing going for the Denver offense is, is, is Jokic and Again, similar to the the seventy sixers. If you're if you're a Denver Nuggets fan, you need more from a guy like Michael Porter Jr. You need got more from a guy like Aaron Gordon. I mean, Jamal Murray's kind of given what he yeah. does. You know, he's putting up that twenty plus points. Jokic is putting the team yeah. on his back. But you're looking at your depth guys. You're looking at your, your your supporting cast. You need a little bit more out of them. I mean, and Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. You got to tip your cap to those guys. Going bananas in game three and four. Yeah, and again, this is a series where we are opposite sides of of Nuggets and seven. You have Suns and seven. Again, it it looked we ha- we had it, we reacted after after the two zero series lead. Um, maybe a little bit of short sighted for us to, to recognize how good the Nuggets are at home, and they truly are unbelievable at home. But they're not that uh, dominant on the road. Which again, maybe this is a topic for another time. Maybe in the summer stuff. Different sports and the home and away records we got to look into. Maybe this is more in the dog days of summer, but. I don't understand what goes on. It's it's the same basketball floor, man. Like the hoops are the same size. They're the same height. The flooring's all the same. I do not understand how we're talking about playoff teams and contenders to win the whole thing. Like the Golden State Warriors and the Denver Nuggets being so different home and away. Um, maybe the fan base is that bigger difference. I know it's a game of runs, so that plays a factor, but it's interesting because I don't see this being sustainable for the Suns. Shamet on the Suns went absolutely nuclear from three in that in that last game. He had 19 points and just was a hot hand. I don't see him being a consistent 20 point scorer for them. So when you, you when you take out Shamet, all your scoring comes from Booker and and, De- and Durant because no one else scores double digits there. 
Um, I don't see that being sustainable, especially with how good Denver is defensively, especially at home. I think they could make a lot of adjustments after this this trip to Phoenix, um, right the ship at home, because um, I think it's a tale of two stories here. I think the Suns played their best basketball possible with scoring from Booker and Durant. Then they got the lights out shooting from Shamit, where Denver got, obviously, Jokic's best game. I still think that scoring is a little bit outside of their game plan. He's not really, I don't think that's part of their game plan for him to have to score that many. Jamal Murray still at 28, which is good, but you usually do get more from Porter Jr., Caldwell Pope, uh, Aaron Gordon. I think that kind of comes back. So, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, I know Jokic was saying after the game, he was a little, uh, a little ticked off there seeing, he's saying they only have two guys. How, how can this be happening when they, we know, and they know they have two guys and we can't stop them from scoring. So, I think a, a major adjustment is going to be made going into next game. I'm going to like Denver at home to take a 3-2 series lead. Um, but yeah, we, we might have been spot on here with the seven-game series. Yeah, it's. I mean, what a response by the Phoenix Suns. And, yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's a good point. Um, you know, getting that, uh, you know, with Shamit coming off the bench and just putting up Jack and threes and finding, the, finding just, you know, the net so consistently. Can they get any depth scoring moving forward? And, and with the Nuggets' home record, You'd have to favor the Nuggets in the long run here. We'll see what happens in that series. Obviously, the final series at West. You want to talk about a team that sucks in the row. We'll talk about the Golden State Warriors. And we mentioned it last episode. I mean, all season long, these guys have the second-worst road record in the NBA. They go on to Los Angeles, and they lose. Um, you know, pretty in a pretty dominating fashion. I mean, the Lakers took over in that second half. I mean, D'Lo, AD, and LeBron, they're looking like a solid, formidable big three. Um, you know, you're getting production from all three of them. Uh, if you're a Golden State fan, you need a little bit more out of Steph. I mean, after that 50-point performance in Game 7, he's at 20, 27, 23. I mean, you're looking at the greatest shooter of all time. You need a little bit more offense from that guy. Um, and, uh, you know, if they want any chance in this series, I think you're going to you look to Steph Curry and you're, like, you're thinking, we need a little bit more. We need that 30, 35, even 40 from Steph to, to really, you know, counter this uh, D'Lo AD LeBron trio. Hundred percent. I think I think you're spot on. Couple things for me that stands out from that last game, and and I can't. I, I got to think Golden State's going to be able to make some adjustments for it. They didn't score 100 points. I'm not sure the Lakers' defense is that dominant where they're going to have. That's going to be consistent. Um, 12 points, 12 points, 10 rebounds, 14 assists. Okay, 12 points, 10 rebounds, 14 assists. That is the combined stat line last game of Draymond Green, Jordan Poole, and DiVincenzo. I bring that up because all three of those players played 22 minutes each. That's 66 minutes of basketball where you're getting 12, 10, and 14 combined from three guys. And they're not their superstars, but Jordan Poole and Draymond are considered pivotal pieces for that team. Yeah. So for me... I'm on the fence. Is that something where I'm concerned for Golden State because those guys aren't producing? Or am I saying, am I chalking up to a bad night? Didn't have the run going at the right time. Didn't have the the shooting. But, I mean, Draymond going 2-2-4 two, two, and four is very uncharacteristic. Like, that, he's a guy that, I mean, he's not a scorer nowadays, but you're thinking at least he's effective on the, on the defensive glass. Maybe some offensive rebounds and a couple more assists. So, I'm going to like this series to kind of go the dif- distance a little more. It's another series where me and you are on opposite sides of a seven-game series. I still think that's where this is going. I don't rule out Golden State. They were down against uh, Sacramento. They're st- they're down against Sacramento, and uh, they knew what it took to kind of find their way back in the series and-, and get it done. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I-, I still feel good. Uh, I think you're on the Lakers, aren't you? 
Yep. And I'm, I'm like, Lakers in seven. And, you're going State in seven. Yeah. 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 So I mean, I'm I'm starting to feel the other way after you know what I'm seeing, but. Um, I do think that, I mean, you know, Draymond, what do you have, two points last game? And Jordan Poole, yeah. I mean, it seems like that guy is such a superstar when Steph's not in the lineup, and then he kind of gets buried in the, uh, you know, in the, in, in the um, you know, the hustle, you know, if he's if he's in the lineup. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully Golden State can get more of their supporting players. But that seems like it's a common theme as we walk through all those series is that, you know, the superstars are doing their job. It's just like, can you get a little bit more from those depth pieces from the supporting, from the supporting cast? Um, but obviously, uh, game yeah. four tonight, uh, that'll be exciting for sure. Let's move into the MLB, Justin. We've got quarter four here. And, uh, you know, obviously a lot of our attention is outside of the MLB right now. We know it's a marathon. We know we've got some serious playoff. We've got eight series of NHL and NBA that takes up a lot of our attention. But just some brief news in the MLB. Ryan Yarbrough, pitcher for the Kansas City Royals, hit with a comebacker. Hit in the face. So this is the third instant this year where we've seen a baseball hit a player in the face. My question I want to pose to you, Justin, is that, you know, in the next five, 10 years with you know player safety being such a measure that's taken seriously by late leagues, you know, throughout professional sports, do we see the pitcher and batter wear a little bit more protection on their faces moving forward? Um, just a hat from a pitcher. Obviously, we don't see comeback or hit the face very often, but the batter... Yep. You know, the the helmet has evolved even in the last five years. Do we see it continually evolve to protect players' facial features? No, for sure. I mean, it's such a tough it's such a tough thing to consider. I mean, I don't see anything happening with the pitchers. I really don't see them making any adjustments or any additions. Um, the batters, though, man, they're throwing the ball so hard nowadays. Like, I just don't understand why more of these guys aren't wearing that that chin that chin uh, oh, yeah. piece to them. I know yeah. more guys do now than than before, but. You know, it's not it's not something where we're at half the league or anything close to that. But oh, no. you got to think if you at least have that chin guard, if you're able to react at all, you're going to have a lot of helmet there where if you turn your head quick or anything, it's going to catch more helmet than face opportunity. So I don't know why that that's not being something that's put in more. I mean, maybe we see something where it's not a, it's it's a mandatory thing in the future where it's not a full chin guard, but maybe it's something that comes halfway down, something like that. You got to think like. It's just such a high, it's high stakes, man. That ball comes in so heavy. It's it's just such a brutal injury if they catch you in the wrong spot. And it only takes one time to catch someone in the wrong spot. And it uh, it, end up, it ends up shaking up the league in terms of that. Um, yeah, I mean, that, it's got to be one of the worst injuries you can have in sports if that, that, that ball at that pace hits you in the wrong spot. Oh man, the the Turner injury for the Red Sox earlier this season, obviously a longtime Dodger. When he got hit in the face, his face is so mangled from the baseball hitting him in the face. It's it's disgusting. It'll be interesting uh, to see uh, you know what happens moving forward. But obviously we're feeling for Ryan Yarbo, hopefully for a quick recovery because oh he had to leave the game, come back or off the bat, right to the face. We got to talk about the AL East because obviously you know that's going to be the division that we focus on the most. You know, being yep. Jays, Red Sox, you know Yankees, you know huge teams. Uh, you know, where we reside. Um, man, it's crazy right now in, in the AL East. I mean, the Yankees are in dead last with an, an above 500 record. That's just, that is just a theme that is secluded to the AL East. Every other division has a team that is terrible. That's not the case in in, in the AL East. I mean, you got the Rays at 28 and 7, the Orioles at 22 and 12, the Jays at 21 and 14, the Red Sox at 21 and 15. I mean, you've got teams that are absolutely playing unbelievable baseball, and they're not even close to leading their division. It's crazy right now in the AL East. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what's going on with the Yankees. I mean, I don't know how long. I mean, again, we're so early, but this talent level is so 
so high. It's just not something you, you again. They play so many games that usually the cre- the the cream rises to the top here. But you gotta you gotta start to be concerned. I mean, my biggest concern if I'm a Yankees fan is I'm gonna say I, you you've played yourself out of winning the division. I know it's so early, but you're you're out of the you're out of the running for winning it. And I I'm gonna go as far as say I think I think it's over for in terms of the winning of the division. I think the Rays are winning this division. I don't think it's a fluke anymore. Uh, we're over 30 games. A lot of things could happen. I'm gonna say this and preface this. It's obviously injury. Uh, uh, injury. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not counting yeah. for injury. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like yeah, yeah. I, this roster right now has no signs of slowing down, and and I do think they they they're an absolute lock to win this division at this point in the season. Um, and I I think they're built to be a serious contender for the World Series. They had so many injuries last year. We talked about that uh, in our preseason preview. It's not an absolute shock to see them win the division. I just think it's it's a shock to see how fast they came out for this. I thought we really thought this was going to be something where we could see a jockeying for, for who's at the top throughout the season. Uh, we could see maybe the Orioles early, the Yankees go through the middle of the season, the Jays in the middle of the season, Rays maybe pull out to the end. But I think it's done. I think this is now a battle for wild card, and it's going to be an absolute war between those Jays, Orioles, and, and Yankees. Uh, to see who could maximize their wins within the division to get that wildcard positioning. I'm going to say it's Rays, Jays, and Yankees still. I, I can't possibly imagine the Yankees with how many games are left not figuring out. So I'm going to still say Yankees are absolutely wildcard. I mean, hey, they're 10 games back of, of the top of the division. I don't think they're winning that. But they're only four, five games, four and a half games back of, of second. So um, that's still my pick. I think Rays have already won the division. Uh, I'm going to say that now, uh, um, May 8th. But I think Jays and Yankees are still in the spot to uh, 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 make the wild card. You think that's too early? You think it's, it's a it, little bold still, or what I, are you thinking? I, I'll say it's a little bold, but I mean their pitching is just unbelievable. They've got just three pitchers in in in, in the top of the categories. This McClanahan guy looks like he's going to be the AL Cy yeah. Young winner already. I mean, it's going to be tough to catch them. But it was some positive news for the New York. Some positive news for the New York Yankees that they do have a healthy Aaron Judge, and they start this yeah. week off with a three game series versus the Oakland Athletics, who we know are probably the worst team in baseball, but you got to get three against them to kind of get things rolling. Uh, if you're, if you're a Yankees fan, um, I will give Archer a shout out. I get to give Jack Archer, the leader of our chalkboard, good friend of the yeah. show, holding it down in Minnesota. He called out the Pittsburgh Pirates FU tour. I mean, he sniffed it out. He said, you listen on, on, uh, I forget what day it was. It was, um, you know, maybe late April, but they're, they're, they're and six. So if you've bet, Against if you were in the chalkboard at and if you if you bet against the Pittsburgh Pirates every day that Archer told you to you well you're six and zero you're riding a six game heater against these guys so that's a great call from Archer we loved it um, obviously the Jays coming off a sweep against the Pirates it's yeah but like you said I mean this AL East is going to be just so captivating all season long I mean we'll dive into it more as the summer months come on but I, like you said I mean this Rays team is is they're juiced up and and they're going to be hard to catch but I do see the Orioles regressing and the Red Sox I mean. We won't go out in the statistics last uh, last uh, episode. I mean, their pitching is hasn't been fantastic. Their bats are, are hot, so we'll see if they can continue to play well. Um, I'm not sure if you saw the situation. So you want to go ahead? Go. Ahead. You got a little finish your thought no, there, no, Justin. No, I'm just gonna say this super early, and, and we'll monitor it. I could be wrong, but I don't think I'm gonna be. Uh, super super early predictions here. I got Braves Blue Jays World Series. Braves beat them in the World Series again. I'm going off the 30 games of baseball here, but that's what I'm sniffing out. I think the AL is wide open. I'm going with my Jays to win the AL. I'm going Braves to win the NL. Do what you want with that super early. 
might be a big miss, but hey, that's what I'm sniffing out uh, uh, right here in May. Alex Anthopoulos comes to mind. He was the GM in, uh, yep. in 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 Toronto during the 15-16 great teams, and then he moved over, obviously won the World Series with, with uh, Atlanta. I think he's still there. Uh, yeah, he's Alex with Anthopoulos. Atlanta. Yeah, what so. a narrative. Does that, does that not just fit the narrative Fantastic for the World narrative. Series? So this is an interesting story. We don't have to get it too much into it, but this Glenn Kuiper, Glenn Cooper, Oakland Athletics broadcaster. He, I mean, obviously you never want to hear a racial slur, but on live television, this guy drops a racial slur, the 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 worst that you can be dropped, and just kind of goes about his business. And then like half an hour later on the broadcast, apologizes for it. He's been suspended indefinitely. You lose your job for that. That's just, 100%. that. It, like, what are you doing? Unbelievable. No it, it's just a horrible, uh, uh, just a horrible scene there uh, for Oakland Athletics. I mean, for, it's it's just, it, it's just, it, it, what it is it? It's insult to injury. It's it's just salt to the wound. It's just like, what are you doing, man? With a team that's bad, in, in, incredibly horrible situation there. So uh, hopefully uh, they get things figured out there in, in, in Oakland with their broadcasting team because they're not figuring out much else. But uh, I did want to mention too, Liam Hendricks, longtime reliever, closer. Uh, he's been in the pitcher. He's been a pitcher in the MLB for a long time. Uh, obviously in January, he was diagnosed with cancer. Uh, he's made his way back. He beat cancer. He's now pitching in uh, in the minors, making his way back to the MLB. So an exciting series there uh, for Liam Hendricks, uh, former pitcher for the Athletics, and and uh, currently on the in the White Sox system. So hopefully he makes his, his way back to the MLB. Cool story there, Justin. Absolutely uh, awesome to see. Uh, that's what you love about baseball. I feel like baseball, as as much as we give the long season uh, uh, so much trouble, and it's hard to follow sometimes and and be that uh, uh, deep into it for the whole run. You get some great stories out of the MLB, and you and the 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 up and downs of it, uh, um, highs and lows is, is awesome to see. And I, I want here, here's another narrative we touch on here: highs and lows of a season. New the New York Mets, below going through it, going through it right now. Oh my gosh! And they spent all the money. The owner even said he's not <laughs> sure about spending all this money for the season. Now they're below five hundred. Like. Yep. I don't even know. Is that a situation like that? Braves got that division on lock now, obviously with the troubles they had out of the gate, but um, Phillies are still right below them too. Like that could be a bat sneaky battle for Mets, Mets missing the playoffs. Absolutely. Uh, it, we'll, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens with the Mets. I'm not too concerned about them yet, uh, but obviously they got to get things in order here uh, fairly quickly. But the Braves, man, the Braves are such a wagon right now. Yep. We talked about it. I love that narrative. Braves, Jays, we'll see what happens. Uh, but Justin, it's been a heater of an episode. Hopefully you guys all enjoyed. If you're if you're listening on uh, Apple Podcasts, if you're listening on Spotify, make sure you five star the episode. Leave a little review. Share it with a friend. We're just getting started with this thing. So uh, Justin, go ahead, buddy. Last thing here as we close out, let's make a pick. Bedard, lottery draft tonight, 8 p.m. 100%. What, what are your two picks? Where are your two picks? Where do you think he's going? Yeah, I, I felt Chicago. I don't know why. I don't know what narrative, but I'm feeling Chicago. The Chicago mm-hmm. Blackhawks are the recipients of Connor Bedard tonight. Who you like tonight? I'm going to say two teams here. Obviously, Ducks are favored. Yep. And I do think that that's a big market. And maybe we'll talk here. I'll give you my pick and then we'll talk about this super quick before it goes off. Yeah, I yeah. think Montreal Canadian. That's my dark horse. I think Montreal Canadians get him. And I want to have this quick Sick conversation. Sick to my stomach for thinking about that. One, I, 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 I'm not a Montreal fan either. That's just here. Here's the question back to back number one picks. There's a lot of talk. Okay. Is it is it rigged? Is it is it true? 
Um, I I'm in the belief here of they 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 have the lottery in place to prevent tanking, and they it does help prevent tanking to a degree. But the, does does that mean that um, if they did have a little bit of say in who gets the one, does that still not remove tanking? Which it probably it definitely does. Obviously, it's brutal ethically because you you get you're not giving the worst team the pick, et cetera, et cetera. But hypothetically, if it's not true, if, if it's a little bit rigged, hypothetically, <clears throat> what two markets does Bettman want Bedard to go to? I'm going to list them here for you. Here, here's the draft lottery. Yep. From mo- most favored down, obviously from last place up. Yep. Anaheim Ducks are the best to, to, to get Bedard. Yep. Followed by the Blue Jackets, the Blackhawks, San Jose Sharks. Montreal Canadiens, Arizona Coyotes, Flyers, Capitals, and Red Wings are kind of the, the ballpark. We got Blues in Vancouver. But Anaheim, Columbus, Chicago, San Jose, Montreal, Arizona, Flyers, and, and potentially Washington. Who would you say, you own the league, you're Batman, where do you want Bedard to go? In my opinion, it's it's not even close. It's Chicago or Montreal, two original six markets. And, and, and in today's age where the players and owners split hockey-related revenue 50-50, you know, how can you say that, say, you know, for example, the Columbus Blue Jackets have the number one pick or or the Arizona Coyotes have the number one pick? That's not good for anybody in the league. Jersey sales, butts and seats, Agreed. you know, just completely buzz, you know, buzz around TV markets. That's not good. You know, ideally, I think Chicago or Montreal are, are the markets that the NHL is hoping for. And, I mean, we'll see what happens tonight. But everything that yeah. happened with Chicago in the last year with their owner and Rocky and, and all that whole organization yeah. with Quenville and, you know, um, I forget his name. Was it Ryan Beach or something along those lines? That, that horrible situation there. I don't know. I'm, I, I don't know why I picture him in a Chicago Blackhawks jersey. I just do. But I think it's Chicago-Montreal. Do you agree with that, Justin? Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking a little bit of this in terms of Bettman's mindset here with the markets. That California market, okay? They were absolute wagon with the Kings. The Ducks used to be an absolute wagon. Yep. The Ducks have been at the bottom for a little bit now. They have a little bit of upside. They got Zegers, Steele, obviously Gibson's still there. They show some flares in terms of high-end talent. They had the lacrosse goals. They're in the media, but they finished dead last. They also lost eleven. their last 11 games. Tank job, let's be honest. It's a tank job. Absolutely oh, yeah. tank job. But yeah, yeah. Batman here. You want that you want that California market. It's important to have that California market because California is not a market that's just always gonna be bleeding hockey like your Canadian markets are gonna be and your northern markets are gonna be. San Jose's there, Anaheim Ducks. I, I could p- potentially see Batman really liking superstar Bedard. You got McDavid in a Canadian market, yep. you got Matthews in Toronto. Um Crosby's in that 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 New York, Pennsylvania area there. And now you get an absolute juggernaut in Anaheim with the Kings building a great deep team. Yeah, I think at San or San Jose, I can see those, those being important. Here's another narrative. The last one here before we drop off: Edmonton Oilers, Canadian market imperative. Struggled for a long time. Never went back to their Cup days of Gretzky, Messier. First overall pick, Taylor Hall. First high pick, Eberle. I don't think he was one, but high pick, Eberle. First overall pick, Yakupov. First overall pick, Nuge. First overall pick, McDavid. Third overall pick, Dreisaitl. Okay. Who hasn't... What What dominant Canadian market hasn't hasn't seen the contendership in a long time? Montreal, hit on Caulfield. First overall pick uh, uh, last Slavkovsky. draft with the... 
Slavkovsky. Slovakian, yeah, Slavkovsky. Yeah. Maybe they hit on a Bedard. Maybe we still see him next year in the top five. They get their dry settle type of player, their nuge type of player. All of a sudden, Bettman's licking his fingers. He's got Edmonton Oilers back at the top with Dave O'Drat. He's got Montreal and the top two market in the nation back at the top. He's got the Leafs. They're going to make the playoffs still. There's no signs that, that that's not going to happen. Like, hey, Montreal. I'm sick to my might, stomach thinking about that. I'll protest the NHL if hey, that happens. Hey. hey. Somebody go weigh the, the ping pong balls. I want to see what Montreal's is. That's all I'm going to say. Even, but even if Montreal gets a Fantilli or a Michkov or, you know, they've got yeah. a, there's, there's some, I mean, we don't want to look, obviously Bedard is, it's a generational guy. He's going to be a, he's going to, he's a franchise changing player. Yeah. But there's some other guys too, right there that, uh, that are really going to make an impact and, and be solid players in the NHL. And I don't think we're going to see Fantilli actually at the world championship, which is going to be exciting, but yeah. I like Fantilli too. I kind of see this draft though, kind of like that McDavid Eichel kind of separation. Between yep. Bedard and Fantilli, which is still obviously a big gap, but two studs, two studs. Absolutely. Well, listen, ladies and gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. Episode 62 conclusion. Like I said, go like and, and share and, and, you know, go chat with some friends about the pod. Go, uh, you know, get, get, get interactive on the socials. Let us know with some comments, what you guys want to see, but, uh, but Justin, we'll, uh, we'll catch you on, uh, on Friday morning. It's been a pleasure, everybody. Enjoy the sports this week. We'll be back on Friday.